Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now August the 14th, 2023, and holy freaking mackerel, you guys, because the Orioles just played one of the most absurd weekends of baseball that I have probably seen in quite some time in Seattle. The Orioles are 73 and 45. I repeat, 73 and 45 after winning two out of three against the Seattle Mariners. That included the five to three extra innings Sunday win almost single-handedly won by Cedric Mullins. It simply has to be known as the Cedric Mullins game, and he wasn't even in the starting lineup. He was a defensive replacement for Ryan O'Hearn, who, which shifted Austin Hayes to left field. Mullins came into center field. Mullins robbed a home run in the bottom of the ninth to the utter disbelief of relatively new Masson color commentator Brad Brock, that was the second out in the ninth inning, trying to preserve what was then an Orioles 3-2 lead. And then, after Mike Bauman responded to that Mullins' amazing play by blowing his what would have been his first career save by giving up just an absolute tank home run near third deck to Dominic Canzone, who is a real person, a real Major League Baseball player, um, Bauman couldn't finish the save, but did uh, the Orioles did send it into extra innings. And then in the 10th inning, Mullins delivered a two-run home run after just missing a foul ball, the pitch before the home run. Felix Bautista was unavailable. Shintaro Fujinami got his first career save instead of Bauman after battling some wildness. He went to a 3-0 count on the first batter. He threw a pitch that was so hard and so wild, it actually knocked some of the rubber padding uh, behind home plate in Seattle off kilter that uh, protects the, um, the ad screens. That was a wild pitch, and... It didn't matter. Fujinami ended up settling down. He got the three outs he needed. He didn't give up any runs. He uh, he got the big out of Seattle's all-star Julio Rodriguez to finish the job, and it was amazing. The Orioles, they did it again, and, you know, the uh, when, when Bauman gave up the home run to Canzone, it reminded me of the last game of the 2019 season, when Stevie Wilkerson practically fell into the stands in right field at Fenway Park to rob a home run and save the game in the eighth inning. And then the Red Sox ended up walking off that game against Dylan Tate in the ninth anyway, with uh, Tate not even managing to get an out before giving up the walk-off. So that's what it reminded me of. But you know what? Uh, it turns out the 2023 Orioles are a lot better than the 2019 Orioles. Go figure. You know, it was just an absolute heist for the Orioles to win two out of those three games in Seattle. The Mariners were attempting to draft off the good vibes and sell out crowds from everybody that showed up to celebrate that uh, Mariners legend Felix Hernandez, who would have been on the Orioles if he had been good enough for a short time, uh, but wasn't, joined their Mariners Hall of Fame so, you know what? Sorry, not sorry, but Orioles magic, it turns out, is the greater power there. Because, of course, on top of the Sunday Mullins authored victory, there was also Saturday night 
when Seattle's good young pitcher, George Kirby, pitched nine shutout innings, and the Orioles still won the game in 10 innings when their first eight innings, also shutout, were pitched by a combined effort from Cole Irvin, Jacob Webb, Cino Perez, Mike Bauman, and post-May, Yenier Cano, which is not necessarily what you want. And that's what they had. And that got eight shutout innings. And then, of course, Felix Bautista. Some would say the new King Felix. No one really called him that before the one Seattle uh, sports radio guy went really weird and aggro against Bautista in the All-Star festivities. And now we are all pretty much obligated to occasionally refer to the mountain as King Felix just to troll that guy and anyone who got bent out of shape um, along with that guy. And, you know, it's 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 amazing that Bautista's been able to do what he's been doing, and it, it really was. It was a stolen game. Somebody rolled on to Camden chat. They didn't like it when I said the Orioles stole the game on Saturday night because they said I wasn't giving the Orioles players enough credit. But, sorry, that is what happened. The Orioles stole the game. They were, quote-unquote, not supposed to win the game, and they did. And they've had many, many games like this over the 2023 regular season to date, which is probably why they are now beating their Pythagorean expected win-loss record, which again is based on your run differential, run scored versus runs allowed. The Orioles are exceeding that by eight wins. If they were playing according to that record, they would have a 65 and 53 record, which would not be bad at all after the recent crap that we've seen here with the Orioles. Um, you know, that's even a better pace than last year's 83 and 79, but that would have them one game behind the third wild card spot in the American League. So even though they'd be on pace with that record to win 89 games, which would still be pretty good, they'd be not in a playoff spot. So yeah, I mean, the Orioles, they've gotten lucky in a number of games, but also I think one thing that separates good teams from great teams is being able to make your own luck. And the Orioles, the, you know, great teams find a way to do it. And so far, the Orioles keep on doing it. You know, just since the All-Star break, they swept the Marlins, who are now an NL wildcard team. The Orioles overtook the Rays for the division by winning three of four on the road in the trop. The Orioles halted the Toronto Blue Jays' momentum, who had pulled within four and a half games of the division lead before the four-game series in Canada. So surely... All the Blue Jays fans were salivating and thinking of how much closer they'd be after they, you know, pulled out three of four against the Orioles or even swept the Orioles. Well, sorry, again, not sorry, Canada, or perhaps I should say sorry, not sorry. Um, but the Orioles won three of four on the road in Canada there. And now you've got the Mariners who entered this weekend series having won seven straight games, pulled themselves within one and a half games of the third American League wildcard spot. And the Orioles knocked him off back-to-back games. It didn't matter that there were sellout crowds uh, just full of passion over the Felix Hernandez Team Hall of Fame induction. It was probably pretty darn close to a playoff atmosphere, given that Mariners fans uh, were wanting to will their team into a playoff spot if they could have won the series or even gotten a sweep. The Mariners are one of the American League's best pitching staffs, and the Orioles, they passed the test. That doesn't mean there's no more tests, you know. Now the next test is they're going to have to not let their foot off the gas against um, the underachieving Padres and the woeful Oakland Athletics continuing the three-city West Coast road trip. But 
they passed this test. And, you know, we, we absolutely must credit the Orioles players individually and collectively for playing well enough to take advantage of the opportunities that they've been granted. It's been, it's been amazing. I mean, 73 and 45, it's crazy. They are already guaranteed to lose fewer than 90 games and there's 44 games left to play. So that is great. I am so happy to see that. There was one bit of Orioles news before the Cedric Mullins game became the only thing we could think about for a little while, and that's that the Orioles almost quietly uh, activated Michael Gibbons from the injured list and then designated him for assignment. And the reason why that's almost kind of forgotten is because that impact that move is going to have on what you assumed the Orioles team would look like the rest of the way is zero. Despite the fact that the Orioles gave a $5 million guaranteed contract to Givens before the season, uh, he's ended up pitching a total of six games in this second stint with the Orioles, 11.25 ERA for Givens in that, uh, that little six game stretch. So not a very glorious second tenure with the Orioles. And for me, it just serves as another reminder that the Orioles have achieved the success that they've had this year with basically one of the four guys you'd probably have imagined if you were thinking back in January would be key contributors to their bullpen. You've had Michael Givens, who was hurt and bad. Dylan Tate has been hurt and hasn't pitched at all. CNL Perez overall has been bad. I think those three guys, along with Felix Bautista, who of course has absolutely been great, although I am still worried about the Orioles wearing him out. That's probably the four most important relievers you imagined. And yeah, only one of them has ended up playing a key role uh, regularly in the late innings because then they went out and found Danny Colome for just cash at the end of spring training. I mean, that was huge. He's now got, although he's on the injured list right now, he's got a 2.77 ERA across 39 innings. And really, he turned into the veteran guy that I think Givens was signed to be. Of course, Yenier Cano, all-star, we know he's had recent problems, or did in June and July, but he's actually been a lot better through six games in August, and hopefully he has righted the ship a bit. Uh, Mike Bauman is a bit of the uh, goat after blowing, after Mullen's amazing catch, and then Bauman blew it the next guy, and Brian Baker, of course, has had a ton of inherited runner problems, but you know what? Even that duo of guys has been fine for middle inning guys just you know they the Orioles relied on Bauman for the ninth inning and look what happened uh he blew it but the bullpen they've made it happen so far and I think that is amazing that they've been able to do it uh you know when you're when you're able to succeed even when your plan a or maybe even plan b isn't working out that's another hallmark of a very good team and that's what the Orioles have done and maybe there's even reinforcements coming as you know, I'm not a super DL Hall believer, but he has looked not too bad in his uh, latest return to Norfolk after whatever the Orioles were having him do down in Sarasota. So he might even be an addition for the September roster expansion, or maybe if they really like what they're seeing even sooner. And I do think that will be important to find another uh, guy to throw into the late inning mix if Hall can be that. But I mean, again, the Orioles, they're 73 and 45. Whatever problems they've, they've, uh, they've come across, they have 
passed by them without too much incident, and it's great. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. All right, so the mailbag is empty today. If you have an Orioles opinion you would like to get off your chest or a question for a future episode or any feedback about the show, you can write to camdencastpod at gmail.com, and your email will probably be read on the air because I've never gotten more than one. So thank you to everyone who has written in so far. And again, camdencastpod at gmail.com if you would like to do any of those things. Next up for the Orioles is the San Diego Padres, and I will tell you something that is funny about that team. Again, looking at the Pythagorean expected win-loss record, the Padres have the same Pythagorean expected record as the Orioles, 65-53. and 53. The San Diego Padres' actual record is 56-62. and 62. They are 17 games behind the Orioles, despite the same quote-unquote expected record. And to me, it's all the crazier that they are underachieving so much when they actually have, or heading into Sunday, they had the best in the NL uh, 3.82 ERA. They've got one very, very good starting pitcher, Blake Snell, very, very good reliever at the back end. Maryland uh, native Josh Hader is closing, and he's got a 0.86 ERA this season. They have battled some injury problems. They have two starting pitchers, Joe Musgrove and Michael Waka, on the injured list right now. They've got five other not name brand pitchers on the injured list too. But you know, to me, their biggest problem is their position players are underperforming, and that's included former Orioles Nelson Cruz and Rugnet Odor, each of whom were OPSing in the 600s, each of whom has been designated for assignment by the Padres. Their starting catcher for a while, Austin Nola, had a four, uh, 452 OPS. He got demoted, replaced by former Yankee Gary Sanchez, almost out of desperation. But Sanchez has come out to San Diego and is enjoying a bit of a revival as he has hit 15 home runs through 56 games. But, I mean, for me, the culprits as far as who's ongoing for this Padres team, you've got Xander Bogertz, who has a 744 OPS in the first year of his $280 million contract. Former Oriole Manny Machado, a 778 OPS in the first year of his $350 million contract. And then Fernando Tatis Jr., a 784 OPS in the third year of his $340 million contract. But it is the first year he has played after receiving a PED suspension. So, I mean, of that group, okay, Machado is now 31, Bogertz is 30, and Tatis is only 24, but to me, until he proves otherwise, which he certainly could be talented to be able to do, you do kind of have to wonder how much of the 965 OPS from his first three big league seasons was actually fueled by kind of illicit means. But, I mean, the Padres have four players with a higher baseball reference wins above replacement than anyone on the Orioles. They've got their Korean star, Ha Seong Kim, has a 5.6 war. They've got Juan Soto in the fours. Fernando Tatis, a 4.3 war, despite having the relatively disappointing uh, 784 OPS. And they've got Blake Snell, a 3.6. All of that is higher than the best Oriole, which is Gunnar Henderson, who entered uh, Sunday's game with a 3.2 war. So the four best Padres are better than anyone on the Orioles. And still, they've got the third highest payroll in the league, 
$250 million about, rounded up a little bit. It was actually like 248 points something. And still, they are five and a half games out of the third National League wild card, even though there's basically no team showing strength in the National League across the whole season, other than the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, it's, uh, you know, you, you want to talk about a disappointing team, that's, that's them right there, I think, in a nutshell. The pitching matchups in this series, Monday night, it's going to be Grayson Rodriguez facing off against Hugh Darvish. Darvish has a 4.19 ERA over this season. Not a substantial split between home and road, although the uh, Padres Park is a bit of a pitcher's park. Um, Rodriguez for the Orioles has a 3.45 ERA in five second half starts. So if he can keep doing that, I think that's going to be a nice boost as the Orioles roll on with what seems to be probably at least for the rest of August, a six-man rotation to help limit the innings for some of the young and inexperienced starters, including Rodriguez. The Tuesday game is going to be New Orioles uh, trade acquisition Jack Flaherty starting against Michael Waka. And Waka has been out since July the 1st. According to the Orioles game notes before Sunday's game, Waka is coming back to start the game. He's got a 2.84 ERA in 15 starts this season. And in the Wednesday game, it's going to be Dean Kramer for the Orioles and Blake Snell, the only left-handed starting pitcher in that mix for the Padres starting the finale. So, I mean, Two out of these three pitching matchups don't favor the Orioles, but that was true in the Mariners series, and the Orioles went on to win two out of three games anyway. Um, As the Orioles were getting demolished on Friday, I posted something to the social media site formerly known as Twitter, noting that in the Seattle series in Baltimore, uh, earlier in the season, the Orioles got destroyed in the first game and went on to win the other two games. I didn't actually believe the Orioles were then going to go on and win Saturday and Sunday in Seattle, but they did anyway. Uh, So, you know, what is San Diego going to hold for the Orioles? Well, don't don't count your chickens before the eggs have hatched. The Orioles have had their share of disappointing series losses against disappointing teams this year. That includes like the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and Cleveland Guardians. They lost series against those guys. They lost series against all three of the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, and Cincinnati Reds. Now, all three of those teams are contenders, or what passes for contenders in the NL Central and the NL wildcard race. And so, okay, sure. But it is still annoying that the Orioles lost all three of those series. So absolutely nothing is guaranteed. That said... The Orioles are 73 and 45. They are still on pace for a 100 win season with 44 games to play. I am still taking the under, but again, I mean, wow. The the Tampa Bay Rays lost on Sunday, so the Orioles return to a three-game lead. The magic number for the AL East is 41. That is amazing. The Orioles have a nine and a half game lead over the closest non-playoff American League team, which is the Seattle Mariners, who they just beat two out of three. They now are nine and a half games ahead of Seattle, who, again, that's the closest non-wildcard team. Nine and a half games behind the Orioles, who are the owners of the second best record in all of Major League Baseball. It's great. It's fun. And we all need to do our best to 
enjoy that for as long as it lasts. Of course, game to game, there's going to be agony. I myself was quite in agony after Bauman gave up the absolute titanic home run to Dominic Canzone on Sunday. And I dreaded everything that was going to happen after that. And what happened was Mullins, after having such a near-miss foul ball, he blasted the homer. He propelled the Orioles to their 73rd win in 118 games. It's fantastic. So Orioles, keep going strong for the rest of the West Coast trip and get back home and see what's going on from there. That's all that I've got for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, you can subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. I will tell you right now, Wednesday's episode will not be posted at midnight, as I customarily do, because A, the Orioles are playing late night, and B, I have to recap that game for Camden Chat. So probably going to try and post it by hopefully 10 a.m. If you're used to listening in your morning commute or something, I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes. So yeah, in between... Now, and whatever time Wednesday an episode posts, you can leave a comment for me on Camden Chat. You'll find me in the comments there as Eat More SK. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.